to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined by Brett Nicholson, lead pastor of our church and also co-host of the podcast. And today we're joined by Lori Sutton. Lori, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Awesome. Um, and Brett, I'd love for you to just kind of start out, just kind of remind us, uh, everybody what we've been doing with the podcast. I guess this is our fourth episode. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a series, which I, I don't remember exactly doing that before, but uh, we decided with uh, all the, especially with the topic of racism that has been raised uh, kind of to fever pitch and over the last several weeks, uh, we decided to do this series called Racism, uh, Listening and Learning. And, and the reason is, is because at our church, we're basing uh, kind of our own prayer on Philippians 1 9 where it says I pray that your love will increase more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and so we're trying to increase our knowledge and depth of insight into this issue uh, so we can learn how to be better I mean we just want to love on a deeper level and get uh, you know increase our understanding of those things and the best way to do that is to listen so we're just really here to listen and so we've invited people uh, to come in and tell their story and it's and it's been great I've, I've really enjoyed it and I have yeah. learned a lot really I have too and, and I'd say most of the people I know um, you and Keith have known each other for a little while but most of the time we're meeting people for the first time coming in and um, it really is it's just it's it's fun to be able to get to know people and have conversation and and just um, hear stories and so we always like to start out kind of just getting to know a little bit about you and um, so anything you can just tell us about you anything um, things you like to do about you your family okay. anything like that. Uh, so, uh, as you said, Lori Sutton, uh, born and raised here in Evansville. Cool. So I've been here the whole 47 years. I'm okay to say 47 All years. Because right. that's well, a blessing. That was, that was yeah. bold of you. That, but that's a blessing to that's be good. here 47 years. Yeah. So, um, I am married to James Sutton, who um, he is a realtor with FC Tucker. He's been in real estate for 16 years. Um, I have two beautiful daughters, mm-hmm. uh, Jadrian, she's 24. Um, I don't know why, but she did follow my footsteps. She works in HR as okay. well. Um, and then my daughter, Aaliyah, she's 16 and she's a South, or, no, sorry. She's going to be a junior. Okay, be a junior. Yeah. I know. Okay, I keep wanting to keep her young. Yeah, I right. want to keep her young. Yeah. yeah really. um, a junior at Harrison. Okay. So um, I work at Barry Global. Um, I've been there almost a year in August. It'll be a year. And I am the corporate um, director for HR and also diversity and inclusion. Wow. So. All right. And you said you've been doing that for about a year. Almost a year. Okay. Um, I've been in HR since 2011. And so um, I was previously with Vectran. So I worked for Vectran for 13 years. Um, I have a interesting career path because I'm an accountant by degree. And people are always like, how did you go from accounting to HR? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have 16 years of accounting experience and um, was at Vectran and became involved with the Diversity Action Council, really enjoyed it. And when a position opened, they gave me the opportunity to move into that role. And so I've been in DNI since 2011 and HR since about 2013. Huh. So. Yeah, and that's uh, what's great about that is, and and I, I think the diversity inclusion part of this, I didn't even realize when we first uh, got your name and, and mm-hmm. we're hearing about that. We were just going to talk about the corporate angle, but that mm-hmm. gets a lot more specific. So yeah. uh, there's some, a lot of insight that you have that, that we're getting professionally, which is a nice mm-hmm. bonus mm-hmm. track for, <laughs> uh, for what we're going on. So mm-hmm. that's great. So yeah. I, I, we would like to just, we start everybody by just asking about going back in your life, those mm-hmm. 47 years that you mm-hmm. spent in this area. Area, uh, which I take it you like it enough to where you've stuck around or can't figure out how to get out of. I yeah. don't know which, but I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. assuming that you like it pretty well. Yeah, so my whole family's uh, still here. So siblings. Okay. So, siblings right. are still so, here. And Mom's pre- still here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I think about uh, what's going on, um, unfortunately, in the nation, I think back to the first time that I experienced racism. Um, 
My parents, uh, we live in the inner city. Um, if you're familiar with the Evansville African American Museum, yes. we used to live right across the street from there. Okay. And um, I went to a predominantly white school and I remember in grade school, um, just making friends. And um, I remember one of my friends telling me that I could not come spend the night with her because her parents said that I, I don't, I'm not like them. And, you know, being young, I didn't know what that what that meant. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not like you. Or I was in denial about what she was saying. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, unfortunately, um, African-American parents have to do is they have to have this conversation early in our lives about being treated differently. And I just remember my parents always telling me, you have to, um, you know, do more. You mm -hmm. have to be better than other people and I'm like well that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> and so yeah why would it yeah. when you're young you don't really know what that means and now as I've went through life I have been faced with many things that have happened not only to me but to my family unfortunately to my kids and mm -hmm. so I, I absolutely I, I learned that early in life and so um through that experience I you know you can take that experience and you can be angry about it but I've always tried to take those experiences and learn from them. And also, I always say, it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. It's mm -hmm. you. If that's the way you want to feel, that's fine. But I'm going to continue to be who I am. And so throughout my life, um, you know, I've encountered a lot of things. One of the things that really bugs me a lot and is very disappointing, especially being in an HR role, is when people hiring managers will come to me and say, um, oh, wow, that person, they did a great job. They, they are very well-spoken. And I'm like, why wouldn't they be? Mm -hmm. Just because they're African-American, why wouldn't they be well-spoken? And so I don't think that people always mean those things intentionally, but if you step back, how many non-minorities would you say that about? Mm. And so I just try to educate. I've always been the person, I wanna educate you on what you're saying or what you're doing. And, um, but I've, I've just tried to take all of those situations and learn from them and not let them hold me back. Um, I, I just think about things that have happened to my children and I always wish that those things would be different for them because it's 2020, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but they're not. And when my 16 year old comes home and tells me, I know this happened to me because I'm black. And I always say, well, why do you think that? Well, there were, I was the only black person. There were two uh, non-minorities. We were doing the same thing, but I was the one that they approached. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's hard to, yeah. <laughs> to tell your child, no, that's not what you're really seeing because you know that's what it really is. And so unfortunately, we've had to have those same conversations with our children that our, our parents have with us. And, and it, it is very disappointing. And it's really very exhausting, to mm -hmm. say the least. And whenever um, the things were going on with uh, when George Floyd was killed, that week, I like totally shut down mentally and almost forgot that in my role at Barry, I'm supposed to be, you know, trying to help navigate, you know, yeah. give people advice. But I mentally like shut down myself because it's like, not again, not again. We're going through this again. And then the other thing that really came to mind was a couple weeks before that happened, um, my husband was going down Highway 41 in Henderson and this guy pulled a gun out on him. Oh my gosh. At a, a stoplight. At a stoplight. Because my husband was going down the street and he swerved, he pulled out in front of him and he swerved to keep from hitting him and the guy got angry 
and they got to a stoplight. He was like yelling out the window, you know, saying some things. They went to another stoplight and my husband said he was just looking forward and he was like, I just wasn't gonna make eye contact. And he said, but then I felt like somebody was looking at me. He said, I turn around, he, he bends over and then he pulls out a gun. And it's like, I think just the combination of all that, it just like shut me down. Right. And it's like, it's the same, unfortunately, the same things just keep happening, happening. And you want to tell yourself that it's not because you're black, but you know that some of these things do happen because of that. Mm. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's really disappointing. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Well, when it, uh, and as you're growing up, kind of going back to, now how young were you when you, when you had that first? Uh, that was probably one? in second grade. Oh, so oh, wow. this is pretty early. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. did you kind of, get out of the anger stage or did you coach yourself out of that you did you make a decision like or did your parents kind of say this is how we're going to handle it or yeah it was more of go? how my parents they oh, yeah. you know kind of coached us on you just need to know that this is this isn't the this may be the first time but it's not going to be the last time and you've got right. to understand how to navigate and how to use that to move yourself forward because if you get it because the anger is going to be there because even now i get angry about things but right. i know how to settle myself <laughs> okay. and kind of just, but it turns into a shutdown mode is what it turns into. And, um, but the anger, that's one of the things that my parents always taught, taught us is that you can't, you can't fight this with anger. Um, you know, you just need to use this as a stepping stone to the next thing. And so what I did with that situation was I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. If we can't be friends, that's totally fine. I'll just move on. I mean, I can make more friends. <laughs> yeah. I'll just move on. Okay. But you know, in second grade, you just really don't know how to sort that out in your mind right. because yeah. you're like, I'm just, I just want to be your friend. Um, Did you find that it stayed kind of the same going through the rest of school up to high school and even into college? Or was it worse when you're in high school and college? Or did it, did it increase? Did it, you know what I'm asking? Yeah. Kind of well, I would say for me, um, it was about the same because I was in that situation where I was always the only one. Hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends who wanted to go into accounting. I don't know why. Um, right. I'll just leave that there. I don't know. Why. I don't know why. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, speaking yeah. for the rest of humanity, <laughs> yeah. there's probably not a lot yeah. of us that want to go yeah, into so accounting. <laughs> I was always the only one in my okay. classes. And right. so I had to learn to adjust to that. Um, whenever I went to college, uh, when I was in my accounting courses, um, in my business courses overall, there were other minorities, but I just learned to be the only one. Um, when I began my career, I was the only one. Hmm. Um, and that's been consistent in my career that I've always been the only one, um, either in that area, in that profession. Um, and so that's what led me to diversity and inclusion because I'm like, this cannot be the way mm -hmm. that the world needs to be. I mean, there are some really good people that can bring value to these organizations. And so that's what led me down this path of, I wanna help people. I wanna help people so that they can gain great employment. Um, because one of the things that I know for me, I think about when I'm looking at an employer, are there people who look like me? Because then I can see if there will be a path for me. Because if you don't have anyone who looks like me, I'm not sure, you know, how, from a mentoring perspective, um, how to navigate the organization. And so that's what led me into diversity and inclusion. And I, that's the reason why I got so interested in it. Cause I'm like, my parents did not graduate 
from high school. Hmm. And so I had, my sister went to, to college and she became an accountant. And so I think that's the reason why I went into it because I didn't know anybody who was in engineering or, you know, was a, a teacher, you know, I didn't know anyone. So that's the reason why I was good at math. So I was like, oh, just going into accounting like your sister. So I did that. But then I was like, how am I gonna use the doors that have been opened up for me to open them up for other people. Mm -hmm. Because my dad always taught us that when you come up, you bring other people with you. Mm -hmm. You don't, if you become successful, whatever success is to you, you need to bring people along. So when I started working in diversity, my main thing that I wanted to do at Vectron was I wanted people to confuse me with somebody else. Because at that time, it was just Lori. You know what I mean? And so it's like, no, I want so many African-American females that you don't know who I am. And I, that's what I, I my goal was at, at um, Vectron. And it ended up happening where we really diversified Vectron um, from many minority groups, not just African-American. And so I've always been on the path to mentor women. Um, you know, I've never been an African-American man. I have a husband, I have brothers, but I, I've always kind of focused in on African-American women. Um, and so I've always tried to mentor individuals, whether it's a short-term or long-term mentoring re relationship. But I want them to see that, you know, when you're little, I think everyone's parents say, you can be anything you want to be. But there's something about being a minority, you hear that, but you don't really believe it because you don't see people mm. who look like you. And right. so that's what I was try I'm trying to do and still trying to do. And my daughters always tell me, we don't need a mentor because we hear enough of what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a so I'm different. like always pushing African-American women that, you know, you can, that is a true statement. You can be anything that you want to be, but you know, they have to see the opportunities presented to them. And so that's one of the things I've always tried to do. Yeah. And when you when you talk about um, working in diversity and inclusion um, in a corporation, are there any things that um, is there like a typical conversation that ends up happening or um, things that you've seen in the corporate world that maybe people don't even realize? Yeah. Um, are there some of those that you could share? Yeah. So I think working in a, a corporation, no matter what what area you work in, if you look at that versus like a not for profit, they're very different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you always hear about, you know, the politics of working in corporate America, um, all those things, they are true. And you do have to learn how to navigate um, corporate America. So as a as a minority, um, there were a lot of tough conversations that I've had to have. Now, I was very blessed that I did have a vice president um, and Hopefully he won't mind me sharing his name, but Ellis Red, who was my vice president, and he's he's an African American, and so him and I would have conversations. But I think with him mentoring me, he gave me the opportunity to make sure that when I was having the conversations, that I was being um, transparent, but also trying to navigate the politics mm. of corporate America at the same time, and so. The executives at Vectran allowed me to have those tough conversations, and that's really the battle. That That is the battle, right. is having a leadership team that is open to hearing, you know, these are the things we need to look at doing differently. So one of the things that I think is, is really tough is through the hiring process, because there are things that are put into a hiring process, no matter where you work, that can be discriminatory. Um, when you think about, when I think about 
the skilled skilled traits. There's not a lot of African Americans who can say, oh yeah, my dad did that or my uncle did that because we didn't have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at these individuals who were in those trades, you don't see people who look like me. And so one of the things that we try to do at Vectrum was we were very intentional about setting up workshops and targeting diverse groups. It was open to everyone, but we would target diverse groups because we knew that they were at, um, they didn't know a lot about what we had to offer. Um, and so you have to be intentional when it comes to diversifying your workforce. And you can look at that from the broader spectrum, women in non-traditional roles, anything. But when it comes to minorities, you have to be intentional and ensure that they have, you know, when you're looking at some of the testing that's put into place, some of the testing that's put into place, it is, it's discriminatory mm. because we may not have the same opportunity as our counterparts to have this, you know, the education that we need in order to be successful in some of the tests. Because some of the testing is at a higher level than what it needs to be for the job. And not saying that we are not educated people because we are, but we have seen, I've seen over time where some of the testing is biased. Um, and that could be even from a gender perspective. So um, I used to go out and take the test myself just to see if I could pass the test. And some of the tests, I'm like, I can't even pass these tests. Mm. And I have a master's degree. So, right. so it's like, you know, if you yeah. haven't been in that field, it's hard to know um, some of the things that are being asked when really you're not even going to apply it to the job. And so th those were some of the things that, that we looked at. But um, one of the things that I also um, would talk to hiring managers about is if we are going to be intentional about intentional about diversifying the workforce and you have a minority and a non-minority similar, um, you put them against each other, same qualifications, excellent interview, and you really, you, you really can't decide. And your whole population is white males. Why wouldn't you pick the diverse candidate? Mm -hmm. Because right. if, you know, that's being intentional because, but people seem to hire people that are like them. They yeah. don't think about what someone else can bring. And that's really the diversity. Like, sure. and it's not just about what I look like. I'm bringing a different perspective because of my background mm. and my background is going to be different than yours. And so, but that's hard for people to see because then they're like, well, now you're telling me who to hire just because they're diverse. I'm like, no, I'm not telling you who to hire. I'm just saying all things equal and everyone looks the same and everyone performs the same and everyone, why wouldn't you want something different to kind of mix up the day to day? And Some, that that's hard for people. Sometimes because, growth happens that way, right? Yeah. I mean, you have different experiences and Brett's said this before. I think you're the one that taught me this. I don't know if you're not. I'm gonna, I probably was the one that taught you this. But, but you know, we, you can't learn experiences, right? You have them. Right. And so, right. um, good job, Brett. Thanks. For sure. yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, if I taught you that or not. Yeah. But, but it's one of those things. I mean, and, and we even, I know we'll talk about, you know, if someone has a different um, experience, you bring that with you. And mm -hmm. obviously that helps hopefully grow your team. Right. Um, in a exactly. Way, so. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always share, I've always shared with hiring managers is, I will say this, and I, I always say I cannot speak on behalf of every every African-American, but I want an opportunity just like you because I deserve it. I don't want it because I'm a minority. And they're like, well, that just sounds like you're telling me the same. You're, like, mm. you're telling me I should pick them because they're, but then you're telling me not. And I said, but what I'm telling you is that if they are the same right. as far as qualifications and everything else and your whole group looks the same, performs the same, why wouldn't you select this diverse candidate? And it is interesting to look at it like, 
we're, we're talking not only just about the fact of diversity, but it's the, the diversity brings something with it, like mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. perspective, new right. insight, a new way of looking at things, mm-hmm. different life experiences. Right. And so it's, it's trying to dig a little deeper mm-hmm. in, in just human experience mm-hmm. uh, by and large, mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, we all grew up in the same suburbs right. or something right. like that. And we all look like each other, right. uh, which, which is a good way to look. It helps me in looking at it that way yeah. because it's, it deepens the subject a little bit. Yeah. What do you think is the, like when you went into the corporate environment and you started down this road, uh, what do you think is the biggest blind spot that people have to these things? If they've just been kind of, uh, and, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to angle it towards, uh, we, we've, we've said, you know, we have a predominantly white audience at our church. And, and, uh, but, and if you're speaking to that, what do you think the blind spots are that you've encountered, like in the corporate world that people, maybe they're not even, maybe it's not even motivated by anything yeah. bad or prejudicial or anything. It's right. just kind of one of those things that, it's just there and they don't even know it's there. Yeah. And I think that just comes with the implicit bias people, you know, when people say, Oh, I, I don't see color. I don't. And I'm like, no, you do. You do. We all do. We all do. And we all have biases. And we're, I think the biggest blind spot is that people are more comfortable with people who they feel are like them. And they're, it's just that not, you know, like an accountant being in HR, who would have put an accountant in HR? But it's like I bring a different skill set. And so because someone gave me the opportunity, I bring something very different than my peers do. And so I think that's what the biggest blind spot is, is that people feel like now I understand if you're if you're hiring for a specialized area, IT, engineering, accounting. Of course, they need to know how to do do the job. Right. Yeah. But, it's kind of a specialty. Yeah. You know, it's like, but think about the things that this person does differently that they can bring to the table. And so I think we get so fixed on this is what we want. Like we put people in a box. This is what we want. And if someone comes in with a different mindset or a different way of doing things, then we're like, oh, no, we don't want that to, you know rock the boat. Uh, (laughs) Um, so I think that it's, it's, you know, being comfortable with people who are just like you, but also just not opening up your mind to see things differently and just allowing people to bring their perspective. I think that's the biggest hurdle we have. Um, and then of course we have to focus on the bottom line because we're, you know, most organizations they are for profit, but it's just being open to something different. And I think that when you bring diversity to the table, it, you can, it, people are innovative, you know, see things differently. Um, cause I know some, and I'm all for, you know, promoting from within now this opportunity at Barry, I did, you know, I came externally, which was a blessing, but I'm all for promoting from within, but sometimes you do have to go external so that you can get a different perspective because I was a veteran for 13 years. So I always tell people I was already veteranized, you know, I already <laughs> yeah. knew the culture of veteran. veteranized, you know what I mean? Yeah. I already knew. And you know, and you tend to get into that. That's all of us. We get into sure. that same day in, day out. And then the innovation, you're, you're kind of stopping the innovation. And so, um, I think that's where businesses become successful is when they do think about things differently. And I, unfortunately, but fortunately, the things that have happened lately have caused organizations to start thinking differently. Mm-hmm. And some have done a great job of it and some have done a not so great job of it. And, <laughs> yeah. and so right. I think it comes up, it comes to that having tough conversations. And when you do have someone who's in um, DNI they can help facilitate those tough conversations because I've seen some of um, 
even a clothing um, line that I, uh, they're not in Evansville and I shop online and they didn't make a statement. And so I know a lot of companies have been in this, should we make a statement? Should we not make a statement? And then if you don't make a statement, then you're making a statement. <laughs> and so this, right. this clothing line, like I love this clothing line, but they never made a statement. And so one of the things I will say is that people are watching uh, what organizations are doing, regardless of what side of this you're on. So they come out and they say, well, we want to apologize because we didn't make a statement but we wanted to let you know that we have a lot of diverse models, uh, but we don't have anyone in diversity running our diversity initiative. And I'm like, now see, <laughs> you're hurting yourself because you thought that it was okay for you to have diverse models, but you don't think it's okay for you to have someone on your leadership team that can have these tough conversations. <laughs> and so I know for me, um, just thinking about it personally, and, and thankfully I work for an organization that believes in uh, DNI. They were doing this long before I even came. Um, but don't check the box now and get someone in DNI. So I've been watching, trying to see how many people are gonna start adding people in DNI, which I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but it's like do it for the right reason, right. not to check the box. And <laughs> so I think in corporate America, it's just one of those things where you have to be willing to have those tough conversations. Think about, you know, get uncomfortable um, and and bring people on board that are different, who think differently, who act differently than you. And um, I think that's how you can thrive as an organization. Now you've used the <clears throat> phrase tough conversations a few mm -hmm. times. Give me mm -hmm. an example. When you say tough conversation, what are the kind of conversations that you've had? So I have a couple of different people that I work with at Barry and even prior to Barry. Some, and this could be anyone. Everyone is not approachable um, when it comes to any conversation. It could be on any topic. It could be politics, it could be religion, it could be anything. I've always been a person that I want people to ask me instead of you making up your own, <laughs> coming to your own conclusions. And so I have some friends um, that even prior to this happening that came to me and said, you know, I just wanna ask you a question about your hair because I, I do change my hair a lot. Like you'll see me next week and this will be totally, totally different. <laughs> and that's just part of my culture, yeah, too. you know me what too, I mean? Yeah. And so <laughs> I can have those conversations with those individuals because they feel comfortable talking to me. Right. But sometimes as an organization, you have to stand up. <clears throat> you don't have to be the leader of the company and say, you know, this is not right and we need to talk about it. And I think sometimes people don't want to have tough conversations because they're afraid of what it's going to do to their career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that affects their family and all of those things. So it's like having the courage to have those conversations. And I think that now people are forced into having them. But just think of what the world would look like if we would have already been having these conversations. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I when I think about a tough conversation, it's really agreeing to disagree. Because I have some friends that are not African-American that I've been talking to about this for weeks. And we even had conversations before this. And some of the things I'm like, mm, no, I don't agree with that. But that was okay. She had her perspective, I had mine. Right. But it's like, I commend her for even having the conversation because some people, they just wanna shy away from it. Mm -hmm. And even with things that are going on, you know, me and some of my friends, we've talked about some of our friends that are not African-American and it's like, 
has so-and-so checked in on you? Has so-and-so asked you how you're feeling? And at first I was a little upset about it, but then after I stepped back and thought about it, I was like, you know, well, maybe they didn't say anything because they didn't know what to say. And maybe they didn't say anything because they felt like they were going to say the wrong thing. But if you're my friend, we should be able to have these kind of conversations. Right. Because yeah. we could have a tough conversation about clothing. I mean, it could yeah. be anything. I mean, so it's like, yeah, it's just hard for people. And I think it's just that being uncomfortable, people don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, but sometimes it, it takes that. And unfortunately, the the sequence of events, I mean, it's just dev it's just devastating for the families that it affects. It affects all of us. Um, it should affect everyone. But some people they just they don't want to talk about it. They just don't want to they don't want to talk about it. So if you could give corporations, organizations, you know, one or two things to either if they haven't already done to start doing now, what would that be? Um, I would probably say that if they don't already have someone, it doesn't necessarily have to be in leadership. There has to be someone in your organization that could help guide these 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 conversations. Mm -hmm. I would suggest you do probably a one on one first to try to you know to gauge kind of, but really just thinking about it from what is your company's overall stance on racism on you know gender equality i mean just think about what is your stance on these things you should not be you should be proactive and not reactive because right. for me as an african-american i don't want you to tell me you're going to start doing all these things when it before now it was not important because that's an insult to me hmm. as an african-american like i know that you don't always know what to do but you have to have somebody in your organization that you could ask and if you don't there are millions of consultants that you could invest in. Um, so I would suggest, you know, starting, really starting with your leadership team and discussing, you know, what does this look like for our organization? How does this affect our employees, which then affects our customers? So, and affects the community. How do you want to be represented in the community? How do you want to be represented with your employees? Because employees are watching, you know, and they're looking and they're seeing like how, how, even when COVID started, how does my organization make me feel about, you know, working remote or reduced hours, or do I have the proper PPE to work? So employees are looking and they want to be treated fairly. And this is no different than anything else. And so I would just suggest that if they haven't already, they need to start having conversations because this is not going to be the last situation um, that happens because you can go back to me too. You know, it, it can go on and on and on and on all the things that have happened over time. And it's like, don't be the organization that's reactive. You should be proactive. And if you're not sure where to start, there's millions of consultants that would be more yeah. than happy to help you. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> especially during this time. And I think I've, I've heard you say this too, and or at least I'm processing it in my mind of not just having one thing to do right now, but a long-term Yes, long-term. Like because, something that's going to last. Yes, something that, yes, something that will last because I think it's, it's, it's almost an insult. Mm -hmm. It's almost just like a check the box exercise. It's like, okay, now we got to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's more of long-term. It's more of long-term because one of the things that I did, I had um, talked with my my manager about, um, and like I said, Barry has had D&I long before I came. 
um, and they look at it from different aspects. And I think a company that's already looking at it from different aspects can pull from different things Mm -hmm. and not have to come up with something from scratch. And one of the things that we had talked about is we want to be the company that no matter what happens, we are doing something so our our employees feel, you know, that we are inclusive of all. Um, and so, but for those companies that have never seen DNI as a priority, um, you know, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. because now you're going to look like, oh, I'm being reactive. Um, but yeah, long-term is what you want to look, and that, and that's going to look different for every company. It's going to look different from whatever industry you're in, uh, where you're located, you know, who you serve. So it's going to look different, but just being able to do something to make your employees feel that this is important to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like in, in the overall, since you've been, you've been in corporate America for a while now, mm-hmm. I mean, you have a pretty significant career. You did say you were 47. So yeah, I'm 47. Mind, mind, I'm proud to say that. But are, are you... <laughs> Have you seen, even though we're we're kind of on a repeat cycle with the things nationally, from your seat, have you seen progress? I mean, do you feel like it's the needle has moved in your in your world that yeah, you're dealing with in the I, corporate world? I I can't say that I have seen progress, but the progress that I have seen is still it's still we should be farther ahead. We oh, okay. Should be okay. Ahead. So and and not I, as much as you would not ex- as have much expected. as I would like okay. because. I have seen a lot of mindsets change, but we have to remember that things like racism, that that is that is taught to someone. You know, that that comes from the home. Now I know that some people say, well, you know, I've raised my child to think this way. And yes, they can get into groups of people, you know, to have these different beliefs and all of those things, but it has to start with children. You know, you have to start with your children. And, um, and one of the things that I've been sharing with some of my, um, friends is that they're like, what, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? And I said, I think the best thing you can do is to speak up when your family says things that are inappropriate, your network, like you have to be an ally. You have to be the voice of change. And so while I have seen progress, the opportunities that I see for African-Americans is nowhere near being equal at this point. Um, and I think it goes back to people need to expand their networks. So if I think about if there's a job available, now I'm totally making this up. This is not very specific. So I'm <laughs> going to say that I'm just, make, I'm, I'm just making noted. a statement. Okay. I'm making a statement. <laughs> so let's just say an, a, a position comes up and we're looking for an engineer. My peers can probably go out and say, oh yeah, I know this blah, 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 this person for a minority or for, for someone who's not, um, a minority, my peers, how many minorities could you pick out and say, Oh yeah, I know so-and-so who could, you know, that Mm -hmm. job. So until that happens, I don't think that it's, it's, it's equal because it's like, until everyone expands their networks, you know, um, it's going to be hard for me to say, but I do feel like there has been progress, but I would love to see you know, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. A lot no, that's, yeah, a lot it could have been a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had pulled this up. Um, you wrote an article for Evansville living mm-hmm. and it's on their website. You can find it there now. I'll put the, the link in the show notes. Um, but you have a list of, of quite a few things, uh, of things that have happened to you specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know any of those that, that you could share kind of as we, 
as we wrap up or any any stories yeah. there um and, and even you have a quote um at the end this is not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it is faced from mm-hmm. james baldwin mm-hmm. um yeah and, and and i think what's important what i want to just at least process still is like this is happening in evansville this is not yes. happening um some other place in the country but right here in the communities that you know where where world life is and mm-hmm. and I don't know. There's just something there that as I'm reading through it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and when I wrote that, um, when Evans 11 gave me the opportunity to write that, it literally took me two or three days to respond back because I couldn't pick just one story. Mm. Um, when I think about the different things that have happened to me and when they happen to someone in my family or my friends, it becomes my story too, uh, because I can relate. And I think, the most heartbreaking thing that's happened to me is when I feel that I can't be myself. So in our culture, we, we like different hairstyles, whether it's braids or, you know, if I want my hair short, long, whatever I want to do with it, but that's part of our culture. And sometimes I feel like we are judged based off of our natural hair. I mean, this is our God given hair (laughs) that grows out of our head. And (laughs) I did a little experiment. When I left Vectran, I was interviewing, and it was outside of Evansville as well. Mm-hmm. So I did a little experiment. For the jobs I really wasn't that interested in, I was like, I'm gonna wear, I'm gonna have my natural hair and I'm gonna see if they call me back. And then I went to another interview and I would have straight hair. All of the ones that I went to that I had natural hair, they did not call me back. Hmm. And that was my own little experiment that I wanted to do. And so we're judged based off of the way that we look. I've even had people share with me that now that we're wearing the masks, they're afraid to like go to the bank. They're afraid to go to a grocery store because either they have or someone they know has been approached like they're trying to rob the place. But these are the types of things that go through our mind just because of things that have happened to us over time. Mm. You know, I've been judged because, you know, I have darker skin. So my daughters, they have, they're very light skinned. And I remember when my youngest daughter was a baby, I was in Eastland Mall and, you know, just out, you know, I was off work and still, and I was like, well, let's, I, I need to do something. I've been in this house. And I had this woman, she was an older white woman. She came up to me and she said, oh my gosh, what a beautiful baby. Are you the nanny? Mm. And I'm like, why can't I just be the mother? Why, why is it <laughs> that? This could not be my child. Now, I won't say on here what I said, you know. <laughs> but that was when we I was younger. That That's when I was younger. <laughs> but that kind of goes back to that anger that yeah, you sure, talked yeah. about. And I was just like so angry about that. And I'm like, why is it that I am being judged? This is how God made me. Why are you mad at me for how God made me? I can't change this. This is who I am. Right. And so I think over time, the things that really bother me is that people judge me or they do things because I am black, you know, seeing people grab their purse automatically thinking that I'm going to, you know, rob them. And I'm like, no, I've, I've worked since I was 16 years old. I don't have any need to rob anybody, you know, and, and just having people, um, you know, just make judgments about me because of my skin color, you know, like going into a retail store And it's obvious that someone is following me, you know, and it's like, I'm never going to forget 
when I was at, I can't remember that store. I remember it was in East Mall, but it was a um, business. They had a lot of um, business clothes. And I went in that day. I ran in. I, I had like sweatpants on, just ran in there. And the associate, she was following. It was obvious. She was following me around the store. And so I just got so upset. I said, you know what? I don't need anything in this store. I said, and while you were following me, the woman that just went out, everything that she took to the dressing room, she stole it. She just walked oh, out the no. door with it. So while you were following me, <laughs> mm. she just stole like, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars worth of clothes. And so you want to believe in your mind that it's not because you're black, but when all things are equal and that's the only thing that's different, you know, it's, it's yeah. just disappointing. And then I've had experiences where with the name, I think this is, this happens quite often with um, African-American names. So I'm Lori, I've been to interviews and people will say to me, are you, are you Lori? I'm like, yes, I am Lori. I know this is not what you thought you were gonna get with Lori. I don't know what Lori you have in your head, <laughs> but like my daughter, her name is Aaliyah and people mispronounce her name all the time. They snicker when they mispronounce it. And I'm <laughs> like, I correct them every time. And I tell her, you correct people every time because people don't know it, but her name is God sent. That's the, that was the, her name means God sent. And she received that name because I had a miscarriage before her and had a, that pregnancy was really hard and it was really hard with her too. And that's why I picked that name. Cause I'm like, she was definitely sent from God, but people, they mispronounce her name. They mispronounce my other daughter's name. And it's like, people think that that's funny, but it's not. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I hear people make comments about people's names and it's like that's not right like that's not right mm -hmm. and so when I wrote that for Evansville Living I didn't want to provide one story I wanted to provide an experience and so over my lifetime I could have written I don't know how many things mm -hmm. but I picked out the things that I think affected me the most um and that have bothered me um and then I've seen a lot of things happen with my husband with my children my brothers and and it is it's like some days you come home and you feel just like beat down you feel beat beat down um by the world and i know like with me like i said i've always been the only one and that is a lonely that's lonely when you work every day and there's no one that looks like you and you experience something and the first thing you want to do is go talk to somebody about it right and it's like i'm just gonna sit in my office and wait till i get off work and then i'll call somebody but it, it's lonely um, when you're the only one and it's and it's tough, um, especially when you experience things um, because of the color of your skin. Now, I've had a great experience at um, at Vectron and at Barry, um, but things that have happened external to those organizations when I'm representing those organizations and right. how people how people treat me. Um, it is it, it's tough and it's really sad when you go home at night and the conversations that you're having with your spouse or your kids, it's all about race <laughs> and it's very frequent. And, and that's mm. happened here in Evansville yeah. and, and it's, it is, it's sad and it's, it's, it is exhausting. <laughs> it is sad. It, it sounds it, exhausting. It is. It's exhausting. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, as we see the national conversation going on, one of, one of our convictions about it was, we don't know what we can do about that, but we do know that we, we can do something about our own community. Right. And that's why I, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, encouraged may be the wrong word. I, I like the fact that people are hearing 
from people in our community about mm-hmm. their experiences in mm-hmm. our community. So mm-hmm. we can do something about that and we can get better and mm-hmm. we have these blind spots and we don't realize we may deny it's going on when we're looking at the national conversation, mm-hmm. but it's a little harder when yeah. it's, uh, it's someone that literally was in Eastland Mall, yeah. uh, you know, and yeah. we, these spaces that we share. Yeah. And that's where we can improve. We can all do that. We can all right. get better at that and we can make this a, uh, where E is for everyone is a mm-hmm. genuine true thing mm-hmm. rather than just something on a billboard. Yeah. So I really appreciate appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. that and the honesty it hurts a little bit to hear yeah. uh, but hey you know that's where you said tough conversations that's yeah all right well this is where yep. we are we've got we've made progress but we've got a lot more that we could yeah. make and so I appreciate you alerting yeah. us to that yeah well Lori, thanks so much for joining us and thank you and uh yeah just letting us listen and, and learn and um yeah genuinely just enjoy getting to know a little bit more about you so thank, thank you, you so much I appreciate yeah. the opportunity um Brent anything to close with or you probably just did I guess I think I just did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think people listening wouldn't want me to now do a closing do thing. So I'll just go, <laughs> we'll just make what I last said the, yeah. the closing thing. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys for listening. And um, as always, we'd appreciate, you know, if you're, if you heard something here, uh, share a comment, um, share this out, let more people hear it. Um, and ultimately, if you have any feedback, anything, uh, any questions, or you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. And we always love hearing, um, hearing from you. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.